Oh, hey, Laura, what you doing? I'm just checking out this new Mortal Kombat game. Is it any good? Mm, I don't know. Let's find out. Choose your champion. Huh, this doesn't seem right. Why is Mater from Cars 2 in there? And is that Hockey Todd? You have selected Roddy Gozum. Round one, Roddy Gozum versus Scorpion. I don't see this going well at all. Fight! Get over here! Or how about you come to me? Come here! Why don't you come here? Get over here! Fine, how about we meet in the middle? Excellent. Roddy goes and wins. Flawless victory. Rationality. He was stupid. Yep. Round two. Roddy goes up versus Amber from Christmas Prince. Fight! Hell no, I'm out. Game over! Okay, if you guys were a character in Mortal Kombat, what would your finishing move be? I would invite everyone to potluck because it means free food. <laughs> so you're going, you're going the French. Yeah, oh, totally. And it's a pretty diverse, th- like coming from all areas of like what world was it? Outworld. Yeah. All, uh, so imagine the different types of food that you get to eat in a potluck. Why, you think the food in Outworld would be appetizing? That place looks like a fucking hellhole. Well, you know. <laughs> it's probably just eating worms and grass. I am not one to judge on looks. Okay, okay. As long as they might have some spices that we don't know of. That's fair. That's fair. I think I would just, um, I'd probably talk to them about Brendan Fraser until they decide to just gouge their eyes out <laughs> or, like, anything just to get away from me a, fr- a frasertality yeah frasertality is what i would go for nice i love how they would guide gouge your eyes out but they also would still be I able to I listen was thinking about that <laughs> i was like wait a second what but wait what's the fastest way maybe if you bite your own tongue and you bleed out is that like the fastest what to end to end yourself if somebody's talking incessantly yeah. about I know this is weird. Mm. <laughs> this is a weird way to go at the very beginning. But if you want to escape so badly, how do you get out? You, I don't know. You just push your fingers so hard into your ears that it pops your brain, maybe? Oh, that would be a good one. Oh, wait. What's the goodbye where people don't even notice you're leaving? An Irish goodbye? <laughs> Roddy, you are the fucking king of Irish goodbyes. You should know what it's called. That's The true. amount of times I've seen <laughs> so you bit- slink out of a fucking nightclub, man. <laughs> Maybe that's also my like final th- final move. It's just the Irish goodbye where you just don't even. Know. You just turn around and walk away. You just walk off screen and like leave them standing there wondering if it was something they said or something they did. You're like, look over there, and then you could be like with Laura. You could be like, hey, isn't that Brendan Fraser? And then just slink out. <gasps> oh my god! Yeah, tease me like that. That's not fair. <laughs> Well, I'll make it worthwhile and actually be Brendan Fraser. So you're, like, you're okay. mad a bit, but then it's also true. It's tr- yes. Okay, I'm fine with this. Uh, Megan, you got a finishing move for us? Um, awkward segue. <laughs> oh. Into some bullshit. I don't know, that nobody cares about. <laughs> or into something that's completely inappropriate for the conversation. Nice. Um, I think mine would be to get a VHS of Mortal Kombat Annihilation and just insert it into my opponent's ass and then kick it very hard so that it ruptured oh my. their rectal cavity. And they bled out that way, which is kind of almost like what watching this movie feels like. So I don't know. Uh, welcome to Bad With Numbers, a podcast about terrible sequels. I am your host, Neff, joined as always by my wonderful co-hosts, Laura. Hi. Roddy. Ayo. And Megan. Hey. This week on the show, we are talking about Mortal Kombat Annihilation from the year 1997, directed by John R. Leonetti. Holy shit. John Arlianetti, he's mostly a cinematographer. He's done like a load of movies with James Wan, like he was the cinematographer on Insidious and The Conjuring. Oh, cool. But he's also directed a handful of utter clag, including future episode candidate The Butterfly Effect 2. Didn't didn't know there was a two. 
Never saw the first one. I hate the first one quite passionately, so I can't imagine the sequel's much better. Uh, this movie is rocking a mighty 2% score on Rotten Tomatoes, which means it might actually be the lowest scored movie we've done on the show. Is there anything else that's like lower than that? Uh, I mean, of course there probably is. There's but... a couple of 0%ers on the potential candidate list, including one that we might be doing this season. Possibly, I don't want to say yet in case I watch it and find out it is literally unwatchable because... Yeah, this is definitely teetering on on the non, <laughs> non-watchable. So if there's anything lower than that, I think we can just put that to bed right now. <laughs> well, we'll see. <laughs> so like, hot take, I, I was actually able to watch this and it didn't think... It's bad, it's bad. But like in an enjoyable way for me <laughs> just to, just to clarify for the listener Roddy got his uh, his second vaccine shot yesterday and I think he may be delusional because holy <laughs> shit dude he's delirious he's delirious wow with, uh... it is true I was watching it with the side effects <laughs> <laughs> yeah man maybe you were just watching a completely different movie were you guys familiar with the first Mortal Kombat movie? Yes. I think there was a VHS that we just watched frequently. Same. I, I saw this movie, the original, I mean, a lot on VHS. Uh, I kind of like that original movie. I mean, we'll get into it in a minute, but um, I watched it again this week and it holds up. I mean, look, okay, this is a video game movie, right? And it's super easy to wail on video game movies because the majority of them are just terrible. Yeah. But... I'm kind of I kind of advocate for some of them that get a rough time. Uh, I feel like the the Silent Hill movie is actually pretty faithful yeah. in terms of like tone to the games. The yeah. first one, right? Yeah, the first one. No, no, not the not the sequel. Okay. The sequel is yeah, just, just checking in there. Well, good old Scene Bean. It's got Scene Bean in it. Yeah. Uh, running around screaming scene for his <laughs> wife. Um, Weirdly enough, one of the only ones that he's alive in in the end that's right he kind of makes it out of that movie unscathed in fact he doesn't even really run into any of like the the silent e hill kind of shit that's all down to like rada mitchell's character in that movie uh you've got pyramid head running around skinning people in that movie it's kind of cool it was really well done and like it's i found that it it's a good balance of super fucking creepy really awful and like i don't know i charming I don't know what that is. It's just a staple for me now whenever I go to anywhere that's foggy, where it's I'm driving through <laughs> the, the mist and everything, and it's, ooh, going to Silent Hill. It just, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it nails the tone of the game pretty well, I think. So. Mm-hmm. But I think that's the only one I could actually advocate for, because I can't think of Prince of Persia's bad. A Tomb Raider, one of them is fine. Yeah, the first Tomb Raider is fine. I think there's one that like doesn't get as much word of mouth, or maybe it doesn't, I don't know. And I don't know that area of the internet. Uh, Dead or Alive. <laughs> <laughs> Dead or Alive is kind of fun. I saw that in theaters. Yeah. I just remember it being lovely ladies kicking each other, which I was fucking fine with. You know, that's what the game is, right? So I'm I'm fond of the um, the Ace Attorney movie, the one directed by Takashi Miike. Oh, oh nice. I never saw it's that. It's wild. Oh my god! It's basically the story of the first case of the game, like the original game. But it's it's just it's just so silly, um, and I love it. It's probably one of like. 700 movies that Takashi Miike made that year because that dude is prolific he makes a lot of movies (laughs) I don't know like the Double Dragon movie is so bad it's actually kind of enjoyable that was an early Doors video game adaptation I think that was before even Mortal Kombat I really like the first Resident Evil movie (laughs) Um, directed by Paul W.S. Anderson who made the first Mortal Kombat movie as well. I'm not such a fan of the sequels because there are six of those movies, might I add. Mm. But I think like people give it shit because it's kind of nonsensical and the plot's all over the place. But that's exactly what those games are as well. I mean, have you ever tried to follow the plot of a fucking Resident Evil game? They are Mm. nuts. Yeah. (laughs) Well, uh, uh, the newer ones are pretty good. But still, I the only experience I have of any Resident Evil game post Resident Evil Six is watching you, Laura, play Resident <laughs> Evil Seven in your basement. I think, or maybe it was Cohen's basement. 
yeah. and just feeling quite uneasy watching you play. I don't cope well with horror video games. Mm-hmm. I can watch horror movies till the cows come home, but when you actually place me as the person responsible for actions inside something like that, I just lose my shit and can't do it. I'm sc- hmm. I just freak out. You have to do a technique when you play those games where you just increase the brightness of the TV. <laughs> Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and just dial down the volume markedly as well, mm-hmm. right? Um, mm-hmm. Or you just like scream as you go through the level. <laughs> I think uh, Resident Evil 7 had one of my favorite downloadable content parts ever, where you get to play as one of the uncles, and um, you go through and you can just punch things. Okay, that's more my speed, I think. Yeah, instead of using a gun, you just go out and you just punch monsters in the face as you're trying to find your family. Uh, I think 2 had that thing that you could unlock where you could play the entire game as a block of tofu. Yes, that's Uh, right, you could. (laughs) Uh, for those who don't know, I had to write for a um, mobile adaptation of Resident Evil 2 way back in the day when flip phones were, had games on them and it had to be under 500k. I'm showing my what? age with this one. And I had to, I read, I ended up reading this massive document that uh, I think it was just around the time 4 came out and it explained the story of the games all the way up until 4. It included like the Game Boy game and like the the deadly like some deadly missions or some of the side games and stuff. And like this document was fucking massive, but the narrative was just the same thing over and over again. That is so cool. I mean, the lore for those games is pretty deep at this point. I mean, they're like, what, eight yeah. games into the main series and then countless spin offs like those Survivor games and stuff. Anyway. The first Resident Evil movie, I think, like, originally mm-hmm. George Romero was meant to do that movie, and it would have been a very mm-hmm. different film. I think it would have been a much more mm-hmm. kind of horror-based movie, but I, I kind of like the Paul W.S. Anderson one. I think, look, that guy gets a lot of shit as a filmmaker. I've met that dude. He is a really nice guy. But the point is, is he gets a lot of shit for making these kind of hollow blockbusters, but a good chunk of them are actually pretty entertaining. I mean, that Monster Hunter movie that came out last year is one of his, and again, it's actually a pretty decent video game Adaptation. I had fun watching that movie. Just never watch anything by Ooh Bowel. What's the face? Looks like it, right? You know what I'm talking about. Ooey Bowl. Ooey Bowl. We could be here all night talking about Ooey Bowl's fucking video game adaptations <laughs> because he did House of the Dead and Alone in the Dark back to back, and they are two of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. Well, I mean, Alone in the Dark is not a great video game either. <laughs> no, it's not. And it's weird that that ended up. I mean, the first Alone in the Dark game came out in like 1992. And then for some reason in 2005, they thought it was like a prime candidate to make a movie. Yeah. Starring Christian Slater and Tara Reid. Tara Reid playing a scientist in that one, might I add, which is a big enough stretch as it is. But, what the uh, fuck? You just like put glasses. I love how that's how most movies think a scientist is. They have glasses. Like, she has glasses in it, right? I swear she has glasses. I'm yeah, ninety nine percent certain she wears glasses. And look, hey, I'm not I'm not being disparaging to Tara Reed's intellect. I she might be a fucking rocket scientist for all I know. But it's a hard stretch for me to believe that she's a scientist in that movie because that movie fucking sucks. But was it worse than Annihilation? Well, let's get into that. <laughs> I mean, before we get into the movie, let's do a little background on Mortal Kombat as a a franchise. The game started development in 1991. Originally, the makers of it were meant to be working on an adaptation of the Van Damme movie Universal Soldier. Uh, Underrated movie. Love Universal Soldier. Sequel sucks. Might be an episode. Um, But basically, that kind of got shit-canned, and they sort of glommed onto the success of Street Fighter 2, which was just blowing up at the time, and decided to create a beat-em-up that used digitized actors instead of sprites for its characters. Uh, Side note, Van Damme ended up in that Street Fighter movie a mere three years later, so it's all connected. So did Kylie Minogue. That's not really connected, but I appreciate Kylie Minogue. Yes, we all do. (laughs) I mean, that Street Fighter movie, again, we didn't didn't talk about it when we were talking about video game movies a minute ago. That Street Fighter movie, kind of terrible, but also features the single best line of dialogue uh, in a video game movie by Raul Julia. For you, the day Bison graced your village was the most important day of your life. But for me, it was Tuesday. Yeah, so like Mortal Kombat's a huge hit in the arcades. It gets ported to all of the, like the home consoles. 
and it's kind of popular because it has like a really sort of a healthy dose of bloody mayhem and like gruesome finishing moves that people hadn't seen in those kind of beat-em-ups before but that also made it a scapegoat for a lot of the discourse that was happening at the time about video game violence mm-hmm. yeah always has anybody played night trap oh walk out behind you night yeah <laughs> That game came out in like 1993 and they tried to ban it in the UK because they were so worried about like the moral panic it was going to create. I played, they remastered that thing a few years ago and released it and I played it and it is the tamest shit ever. It's like, it really is. Oh yeah, that yeah, it's the one with FMV. Yeah, you're supposed to stop the intruders from getting to uh, a what is it, a sleepover party? It's a slumber party, yeah. yeah. And there's these dudes dressed up like um, they're dressed <laughs> up in pajamas, basically with like balaclavas on. <laughs> they're supposed to be vampires, but holy shit, it's just one of oh the dumbest my. games ever. It looks like a video. It looks like a video board game that somebody slammed together as a video game instead mm-hmm. but what was up with the moral or panic because i can see like like moral combat it's pretty gory and like for me my moral the moral panic of the game the game that caused the most moral panic was gta 3 when that came out and i can understand i could understand from like a parent perspective why they would freak i talk to parents all the time about you know video games and the different you know I, I have to have the conversation every day of GTA versus Call of Duty versus Mortal Kombat. And the list on the back of the case <laughs> is very different. And I said, you're going to have different feelings on whatever. But, you know, I'm not here to judge your choices. I'm here to educate you and, you know, maybe say that you should be watching what your kids are doing. So Mortal Kombat nowadays fucking rough i'm just watching a bunch of fatalities from mortal kombat 11 Mm. and they are great like melina at some point she reaches through your stomach and up your your spinal column pulls out your face from the inside and then rips it out like what is happening but honestly um when it comes to just night trap it was what was it like Worried about break-ins and burglaries and them thinking it's easy? I think it kind of just became a scapegoat because it was one of the first games to use full motion video. Yeah. And people were worried that it was kind of, oh, our kids are going to think this is real or whatever. And it just kind of... I mean, look, that game had like a a certificate slapped on it in the UK to stop young people playing it. Mm -hmm. But it didn't stop like all the fucking the newspapers jumping on it the same way as they did about like video nasty the same way they did about like horror movies in the early 90s and movie violence just became you know they love to have mm-hmm. a good fucking debate about media and its effects on people when really there's no proven fucking effect of it but whatever i don't know um with night trap it was just it felt like it was very much a scapegoat because it was a, a big title at the time yeah because that's the thing is i can actually see mortal Kombat, like roddy saying being you know it's it's violent it's rough you beat people up and that's the way that it is but yeah night trap was an interesting choice <laughs> sure and that first mortal Kombat game on super nintendo didn't even have like gore in it they removed it it was on the genesis stroke mega drive version but nintendo refused to let them put the blood i mean they kind of wheeled that back for the second game but for that first game it was like and there was always like the rumor going around that like some kid had the cheat code for the super nintendo one that enabled the blood but it didn't exist it was like no such thing but that's always how it goes i was thinking of the wii like fit in the boxing imagine if they did like a mortal Kombat version where it's like i wonder how that would be it's like first person Ooh, i don't know never mind first person fatality be frightening (laughs) i have games not not mortal Kombat specifically but there are games like that in vr now you can get them on the Mm -hmm. playstation vr you can get them on like oculus and whatever the steam vr thing is called where um you're literally going hand to hand with people with weapons or whatnot i mean i've got one called gorn that i used to play quite a lot that is just you in like a gladiator arena with a a handful of weapons basically lopping people's heads off cutting limbs off (laughs) throwing bodies at other people it's kind of wild Sounds amazing yeah okay let's go play gorn let's all come to my place and play gorn we're all vaxxed we can play gorn now yeah <laughs> um anyway 
Uh, yeah, so basically, because the first Mortal Kombat is such a huge hit, New Line Cinema decides to snap up the rights to a movie adaptation, and they hire the aforementioned Paul W.S. Anderson, who was a young British director at the time. His debut movie, Shopping, was getting him some attention. Shopping's kind of a weird one. It's not a great movie. It does feature a really young Jude Law in like the lead performance, so it was kind of his one of his first movies. Um, but it was definitely a different kind of film from what the UK was sort of making at the time. It's a, a very kind of energetic movie about joyride and it's got car chases and stuff in it the only thing that lets it down is the fact it had like literally no budget so it feels kind of cheap for the most part but it was definitely like against the grain of what british cinema was doing at the time when it was kind of pumping out movies like howard's end and all like the merchant ivory stuff but anyway shopping turns enough heads in hollywood for him to get the more combat gig and sure enough movie comes out summer 1995 and it's a surprise hit like people people were writing off video game movies already because that mario brothers movie had come out like two <laughs> years before Classic. and that thing was just a huge bomb like it was me- yeah. it was positioned as being one of the big movies of summer 93 and it just fucking tanked and everybody hated it hot question a part of me thinks like i don't know if i would like it as much but like say for example the mortal Kombat theme song didn't exist and it was a shittier song would this movie be as good and as like because the thing that song makes this movie <laughs> absolutely not and it's only in it like twice three times beginning and near the end what? Oh, oh wait, are you guys oh, okay. talking about in Annihilation or in the first one? Because in the first in one, in the first one, the moment that somebody screams Mortal Kombat over the New Line logo, I remember sitting <laughs> in the movie theater and going, "Yes, yeah!" I, like it's, it was like uproarious. It's like it's one of the ones where like to be, I would go back in time to like watch it just to hear everyone's reaction to. Would it be the first time they would hear that song? Was it in the trailer? Like I don't even know. Like this song is like on point. Uh... <laughs> I don't. I don't, I think it may. It may have been in the trailer. I mean, uh, it's kind of in the fogs of time in my memory whether it was in the trailer or not. But um, it's kind of like a. It's a remix that they use in the movie by um, Utah Saints, or like a legendary UK dance band. Mm. Um, and uh, even hearing it at the start of Annihilation, just for the first kind of like few bars of that kind of like techno theme, I was on board. I was like, ah, yeah, I love this. I love hearing that. It just gets me pumped. I really like that kind of somebody just screaming Mortal Kombat and then the synths just crashing in like that. It's really cool. But anyway, no, I've, another song, worst movie. Mm-hmm. As well, that's, that's, I guess it goes to show like sometimes the soundtrack really makes a movie. Oh, I would say it, it really affects the movie. Mm, sure. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a big hit and they immediately greenlight a sequel. Um, they shoot this sequel in early 1996, but it doesn't come out in theaters until October 1997. So either that post-production period was super long or the studio didn't have much confidence in it. It doesn't help that they lost three of their main actors from the first movie. We've got no Christopher Lambert playing Raiden. We get James Remar instead. We'll fucking get to him in a minute. Uh, They lost Bridget Wilson um, as Sonya Blade because she decided she wanted to do I Know What You Did Last Summer instead. Mm. I mean, Bridget Wilson kind of like her in Billy Madison as like the love interest in that movie, but she's not she's not the greatest of actresses. It is telling when your movie is lacking some Bridget Wilson in it. And they lost Lyndon Ashby as Johnny Cage as well. Um, He was kind of fairly charismatic in that first movie. Yeah, it took me a while when I was watching Annihilation. I was like, wait, something's really off here. I'm so confused. And then I saw I started like researching why and like for the guy who played Johnny Cage apparently he read the script and was like screw this I'm not taking any part in this for a character that this is what you're gonna do to him so bye bye so like it makes total sense he pieces out early in this fucking movie um, oh yeah I'd also be pissed. Actually, I was pissed that Johnny wasn't in this one. Like, <laughs> I, I feel as though Johnny Cage is such a cool character and um, he's just, I don't know, he's one of those dude bros, but I, I really want to be with him. He's like the charisma. Like, that's the only thing. Like, yeah. after a while, I started watching this movie and like, I used to had a good time, but it was mostly because I was just like making fun of it as I went or like just kind of picking it apart. Because like, even having Liu Kang, the, like the guy, the, the main guy is the most frustrating watch of all time. Because like, he makes, like, there's so many points in this movie where he'll be like oh screw this i'm just this was a waste of time and my back back of my hands okay all right what's your alternative plan you have no alternative plan so like be quiet yeah man if you're not part of the fucking solution you're part of the problem right and that's Liu kang (laughs) all the way through this movie yes he's just annoying yeah like i mean we'll we'll get into it let's do the box office for this fucking thing first uh so this movie opens on the 21st of october 1997 to universally bad reviews like i said two percent on rotten tomatoes uh but once again proving that nobody listens to reviews even though they should it debuts at number one with 16 million for the weekend not a bad chunk of change for 1990 
1997. Number two that weekend is Fox's Anastasia. Yeah, yeah. I love that movie. I have no idea what that is. I mean, I guess it's about Anastasia, but I've never seen this movie. I don't think I have any awareness. I think it's that's a Don Bluth film, isn't it? Oh, okay. So it's like late stage Don Bluth, I guess. Don Bluth desperately trying to regain some, regain some cred after a string of sure i mean it, it it did like 14 million this weekend so i guess people were into it right like also it had like a this is what it, it goes back to music it had like also of like a hot tune of like journey to the past like again it's one of those songs that if you start singing you'll like get to figure out who's the same age as you <laughs> that one totally passed me by maybe i like I think it must have come out like when I was too old to be given a shit about cartoon movies, but also my daughter was probably too young to go see it in theaters, so it kind of falls in that crack there, yeah. I grew up with that. Pretty sure I've seen it, but I remember nothing about it. (laughs) It's also a musical now, so, like, on Broadway, so yeah. Mortal Kombat Broadway, sorry. I kind of, I kind of want to see that. <laughs> it's gonna be like Evil Dead, where there's like a splatter zone. Oh my god! Oh, Evil Dead, the musical was so much fun. I never got to see it. It, it played in Toronto a couple of years ago, and I fucking missed out on tickets to it. But yeah. All right, guys, let's find a composer and make Mortal Kombat the musical happen. Let's do it. Yeah, like it, it like plot. Who needs it? It's just all about the spectacle. <laughs> yeah, I just really like the idea that they say words and then they all just do an acapella version of the Mortal Kombat theme as they're fighting. Nice. Yeah. That's all I can think of. Number three that weekend is The Rainmaker, Francis Ford Coppola movie starring a pre-fame Matt Damon in its lead. Again, it's it's based on John Grisham. I didn't see it. I don't know. Kind of like I tapped out of John Grisham movies that, by that point. Anybody see The Rainmaker? No, but it reminds me to that America Team America Police and Matt Damon. That's how I think of him most of the time now. <laughs> oh, that's, that's cold on Matt Damon, man. But also totally understandable. I kind of feel like Trey Parker and Matt Stone have got a lot to answer for in Matt Damon's case. Uh, He's been tarred with that brush forever. Um, Number four that weekend (laughs) is The Jackal, starring Bruce Willis and Richard Gere in a remake of The Day of the Jackal. Uh, Megan, I know you've seen this one because we've talked about this one. I just found it very unsettling. I don't like seeing Bruce Willis playing a villain. It, it When Bruce Willis plays a villain, he plays a villain. Like, yeah, holy. there's that scene in that movie where he blows Jack Black's arm off with like a yes. high-pressure yes. cannon. It's kind of <laughs> wild. I watched that as a child and remember it. It's very violent. It's very violent, and it also has Richard Gere doing one of the worst Irish accents this side of Justin Theroux in full throttle. It's it's not good. And pretending to be a former IRA guy. Yeah, and I mean that in itself is problematic, okay? <laughs> when you make your hero an IRA... I mean, there, there was a bunch of movies around that time that positioned... Um, yeah. And, like, regardless of what your political stance is on, like, the IRA and the Troubles, I kind of feel like between that and that Brad Pitt movie where he played an IRA terrorist, I think it was The Devil's Own, questionable understanding of Hollywood of what was a very complicated fucking situation. Yeah. Um, number five that weekend on a completely different tone, it was a reissue of The Little Mermaid. <laughs> this must have been one of the last times that Disney reissued a movie because I guess DVD was kind of coming into into people's homes at this point and they kind of stopped reissuing stuff after that. Really? Or was it Laserdisc? No. DVDs were around in the mid-90s. Yeah, 97 would have been the sort of the kind of like beginning of DVD. Do you guys ever have that family member that, like, is so always flaunting their technology? Because I had one uncle that, like, when the laser disc came out, I remember just having to spend 30 minutes just watching him show the gigantic disc and putting it into the console or the device. I was like, what is this life? (laughs) I don't have that member of my family because I am that member of my family. (laughs) Like, um, when, uh, when fucking 4K came around, I was like, oh my god, look how good Logan looks in 4K. You can see the brain on his sideburns it's so good <laughs> oh wait did you watch this movie in 4k because the thing is though like the graphics are so bad on this so like i wonder how it would look in 4k <gasps> no there's not a 4k print of this one thank fuck no. because it would have probably burned my eyes out <laughs> I would have loved to see that final fight between that <laughs> dragon and that intestine oh monster. God, in 4K. Yeah. It, in be 4K. Like, what is this? It would look like it would look like a cutscene from the PS One. Yeah. <laughs> I think it looks worse than a PS One cutscene. I, I was gonna say I think the PS One could. Yeah. So Little Mermaid. Um, you guys love <laughs> the Little Mermaid, right? Who doesn't love the Little Mermaid? 
She's, Love it. she's adorable she wants to be where the people are you know um mm. all right that was the box office for this weekend let's get into this fucking shit show of film <laughs> so yeah i mean this movie picks up right where the first movie ends except they've kind of swapped out 80 percent of the actors from the first movie um and basically it starts with emperor shao sang um shao khan sorry invading earth and telling our heroes that the the consequences of the first movie mean nothing and he's still gonna take over the planet um this scene happens with a lot more urgency in the first movie here they're just kind of standing around for a couple of minutes watching things fall over yeah so when, when you were watching it did you in your head think that shao shao khan what's his name how do you say it shao khan yeah shao khan shao khan i didn't like a part of me that kind of threw me off was uh like is he like roman catholic because he started like quoting like the six days of like creation and i was like what oh, yeah, i was like right. i was like so confused because a part of me was like is that like a roman catholic thing because then like why is he quoting that if he's from the other world did he study <laughs> yeah. the religions like maybe i mean he does he this is the whole thrust of the movie is they have like seven days to save the world which is a ridiculous time frame man if you like if you need to take over a planet you don't announce it seven days in advance you just fucking do it right mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah that's the first of, see that's how when i started what like that was my friend of mine coming in this movie where like he first starts quoting like like the bible i think and I'm like oh okay that makes no logical sense so this movie will just be illogical for like 90 minutes all right i know what i'm getting into now <laughs> this shao kang character i mean he's meant to be like the emperor of outworld at the end of the first movie he's like a cool sort of um imposed special effect and he's kind of like he turns up and says oh your world is mine and then christopher lambert's raid and is like i don't think so and the movie ends and i'm like oh cool <sighs> here he is just a dude in a mask with a stupid fucking voice this guy is played by an actor called brian thompson he is in all kinds of dtv dreck but he was also one of the punks that arnie kills at the start of terminator to steal their clothes so he's not like done completely (laughs) completely random movies he is in stuff um he looks like vin diesel like the dollarama vin diesel let's call him bin diesel yeah and he delivers most of his lines like ron burgundy he's just like fucking shouting all of the time yeah why well like first off too like like he's supposed to be this threatening villain but one thing i couldn't get over is that the fact that his mask doesn't at all look like actual bones it literally looked like he went to like whatever like halloween spirit and just like picked it up and put it on also like when you realize his main arc is that he has daddy issues i was like what is this yeah No, and he's just, like, looking to his dad for any kind of, like, good job, son. (laughs) At the jumping ahead a little bit, when um, he he finally does good, he looks at his dad and his dad's slowly nodding. I was just like, do I feel good? Is this warm <laughs> no, yeah. yeah like when am i, I watch- proud of him also <laughs> when i was watching this i was like i guess the moral of the story is that dads should say i love you to their son that's like <laughs> yeah dad are you listening <laughs> that's what i got from mortal kombat annihilation that touching message mm-hmm. if you don't want your kid to be stupid shao khan then make sure you tell them you love them yeah i mean it's probably the best takeaway you're gonna get from this movie because holy fuck there ain't a lot of subtext going on here um yeah we get uh james remar replacing christopher lambert as raiden and look i like christopher lambert i think he's a he's a fucking charismatic guy in movies he's been in a lot of iffy movies but he's still kind of like a fairly likable screen presence james remar who was in the warriors and he played like um harry morgan on dexter so he, yep. you know, he's he's got a pretty solid body of work but behind him he is just an absolute blank in this film he's literally reading these lines off a fucking cue card it's like a bad snl sketch yeah i was wondering because i you know what as i was watching this i didn't know that everything was recast it's been a long time since i've seen the original mortal Kombat, Mm. and i just remember staring at raiden and just thinking has he always been like this because i don't remember (laughs) raiden being such a tool no, Lambert is kind of, he's kind of charming in the first movie. Yeah. He's kind of like wink winking at the camera for quite a lot of the movie. Remar here is just playing this like a plank of wood. I've seen him be good in stuff, but I just can't get my head around how bad he is in this film. Yeah, I watched it with Brian and Brian was like, why is Christopher Lambert's accent different? I'm like, that's not Christopher <laughs> Lambert. <laughs> okay, he's then like, you gotta oh. give props to the casting where like, it actually made, the, if you haven't watched it anymore, you actually like, is that the same person? Mm-hmm. So like, you know what? They cast it 
like well enough to confuse an audience i don't know man i mean maybe i've just seen highlander too many fucking times but there ain't no <laughs> way i'm confusing christopher lambert and james remar i don't know yeah i mean i i, I recognized him immediately because i've watched all seasons of dexter so i was like yeah Whoa. me too uh for my sins Dexter's dad He's not playing a cop in this one. Wait, what What else did... There was another movie that we covered that had him playing oh, a cop. Oh, he's, um, he's in fucking Blade Trinity. Of course, That's he's a cop in Blade Trinity. Uh, yes. oh, well, welcome back to the show, James Remar. Um, <laughs> completely fucking forgot he's in that movie as well. I mean, he's better in Blade... He's in like one scene or two scenes in yeah. Blade Trinity. Better than he is in the entirety of this fucking movie in that one. Yeah. No, when they kind of like do the whole thing where like they show each and every villain and they come into like, first off, in order to, as part of the audition, it's clearly having to do a somersault because that's the only yeah. way you can enter a frame or enter a scene is through a somersault. <laughs> Nobody oh, can jump at all in no. this movie. Everybody has to Lots somersault. Of wires. All wires. It's like it's its old drinking game. Like a part of it, like what I was watching is like, yo, this is like a fun drinking game because like even in the final battle, the somersault makes an appearance, and I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah this is this is what the show, this movie is. It's just fighting via somersaults and entering. I via think somersault. that's the most faithful bit of this in terms of the game because nobody in the game can just jump here. Everybody has to be like flip flopping no. through the fucking air, so and posing like mad. Like when they all come in, like Sindel and all of them, they're like having to have this like superhero pose and stand in a perfect way. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean. Oh man, like the fight choreography in this movie is so bad. Subpar, right? Yeah. I mean, everything is subpar in this movie, but this thing (laughs) actually looks like kids in a playground playing Mortal Kombat. I thought it got worse as it went, but there were some earlier fights that were like, oh, okay, you're like trying something, and I could appreciate that. You think? Yeah, like it it tried to kind of incorporate some of the moves. Like, I laughed when they they used that sound bite. to be like hey remember this is an actual move in the game because <laughs> yeah. like i used that so much as a kid i was like like i think i would choose his character just because i could teleport and you know, that move was the most annoying move ever when scorpion showed up though or, or like when i guess um oh gosh i'm blanking sub-zero when sub-zero mm-hmm. showed up i was just like oh shit and then when scorpion showed up i was like oh shit Get over here! and then i was severely disappointed in both of my boys it's just how could you yeah they both get they both get short shrift in this one um johnny cage checks out of this movie precisely six minutes in sad uh good for you johnny cage good for you because i wouldn't want to be in this turd either but um he gets his sunglasses smacked off of his face so sad uh, got to use his finishing move though he gets to he gets to do like the shadow kick move but then Nobody seems particularly bothered that he's gone apart from Sonya. Like, everybody yeah, else what? is just kind of like, man, whatever. He literally just saved the world, like, ten minutes ago, and still, nobody yeah. seems to give a shit that this dude, like, pieces out so quickly. Yeah, I will say that this is kind of my least favorite thing in, like, writing. One to establish stakes, and like, oh, this enemy is really bad, as they just go straight to, like, killing someone off to see how threatening they are. Yeah, it's... It's cheap. Yeah, and then what was worse of too is that they chose Johnny Cage, which technically I feel like was kind of almost like the heart mm-hmm. of like the first movie, and like he provides a lot of the comedy. And when you take that out of the movie from the beginning, it's just like there's not really anything to lighten it up, except for just making fun of how bad it is. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if they changed the script after Lyndon Ashby quit and didn't want to do the movie, or did he quit because they killed him off so early? He quit because like I was reading an article, and he quit because he he read it and saw what they were doing with the character and i was like screw this i was like you know what that makes sense like why would i sign up for just that one scene that like you worked really hard to perform you know like create something of that character and they just like throw you about for this like pointless scene that was just again just to make shao khan this little just temper tantrum man boy like threatening i mean smart move Lyndon ashby he's gone on to do um styles dad in uh teen wolf <laughs> I mean, I was literally about to make a joke about he's gone on to do nothing and you kind of trumped me. I didn't even know he was on that Teen Wolf show. But (laughs) but yeah, I mean, hey, look. Six seasons, that's a lot of good cash. Raking in that MTV money. Um, I love, and by that I mean I hate, these hamster balls that our heroes are using to get around (laughs) the Earth's core. They're kind of like traveling around in pairs in these fucking hamster balls. It is the stupidest shit imaginable. The reason for this is because, because they can't use portals they have to use the velospheres to get around 
Wait, that's do they the reason, explain right? why they do they actually explain that they can't use portals? Because I think yeah, this is this is I don't know how I caught this, but like I think using the portals I think allows accesses or like could be like because Shao Kahn has control of it, so they can't use it, so they have to rely on this old school way. Oh my god, I missed that. Yeah, it's fine. It's like I don't know how somehow having having a uh, vaccination made me more in tune with the details of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Reminds me of the tubes from um, uh, Odd Squad. Oh yeah. Well, it's kind of like if you're trying to do another reference, is like it's almost like Futurama with the whole like male yes, scene and yeah. you put the tube in and it goes yes. like this random compartments. But also, it makes no sense it, in a way where like there's this one scene where Katana and Liu Kang are like, oh, we're heading the overpass, make a hard right. I was like, okay, Katana obviously knows how to use the system, but Sonya Blade on her own, all these people, like, how the hell? There's no directions and like you're going over lava. So like, yep. how the hell do you figure this this <laughs> route out? There's nothing, like, and like it's just not explained. Because that in itself, if this was the TV series, they would spend a whole episode trying to explain how the hell to use these velospheres because it's overtly complicated. Yeah, I mean, definitely one of my favorite parts of the game was when you had to pretend to be a hamster to get to the next level. Oh no, wait, that doesn't <laughs> happen at all. So what the fuck is this doing in this movie? It's just so weird. Oh, it's like being in a giant pinball machine. Yeah. That's why this movie made me laugh and I started enjoying it more when you kind of pointed out the things where like they're self-aware or probably not even self-aware because there's a line they're like they go so fast that it feels like you're not even moving it's like is that just to explain that when you go and do the CG portion that they're not moving because you can't really get the feel of it so it almost was explaining their like lack of production oh yeah man they're making excuses left right and center for this movie um, this movie like legit looks like a fan film right it looks like somebody shot a fan film of the first movie. How dare you? There was actually a fan film that, like, was, like, w- did really well. <laughs> so, like... <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, I'm not I'm not well-versed in, like, the, the fan film the world. The fan film had, that. like, legit, like, actors in it. Like, like well-known names. But, I mean, this feels like they, like they tricked the two actors from the first movie that sort of carried over. Robin Shaw as Liu Kang and um, Talisa Soto as Katana. It feels like they somehow tricked them into appearing in it. And then I just wonder if like some New Line executive was at like one of these memorabilia fairs or something and the director had like a stand and he was playing this on a VHS and the New Line guy's just like, this is great, we're just going to buy this and put this out in theaters. You know, we don't need to actually bother putting any money or effort or thought into to this fucking film art production wise like i felt like there was a lot of like because there's like the like each it felt like they were trying to like make a stage battle for each scene like you got the lab scene you got i hated the scene because it felt like an excuse for just to have two women mud wrestling but you got like the yes. mud wrestling scene <laughs> and then yeah. like there's you look a- good in mud, Sonia. I was like, yep, mud wrestling. Okay, here we go. Yeah, and did anybody notice that, like, all right, she kind of, after that mud wrestling fight, she kind of goes, I need to go find a river. And then literally the next shot we see of her, she is, like, fucking Pristine. whiter than Macklemore. It's like, what yeah. the fuck? That's why it's that's insane. Why I find that so hilarious because they're like, because, like, how do we explain the other scenes in the movie where she's not dirty? Well, well, we'll just throw in a line where she'll just go to a river. Oh, perfect. The audience will not expect a thing. <laughs> was it, like, a river of tide or something that she was fucking washing in? Because that, that tank top she's wearing should not be that white. I don't care. Yeah. On another note, would you trust your life to Liu Kang? Because I wouldn't. Because, like, no. he is the worst. <laughs> to look over Katana and, like, like seconds and she's gone. I was like, great, you're the worst. Yeah, I'm not going to lose you, too. I won't let anything happen to you. <laughs> he lets her get pinched very quickly in this movie. Um, Boom, gone. Yeah, we get this fight scene where um, Sub-Zero shows up and he can fly like Superman. And apparently he's a, yeah. he's a good guy now. But no, wait, it's Sub-Zero's little brother. So I guess he's Substandard Zero. He kind of looks a bit like Justin Long when he takes this mask off. <gasps> You're right, actually, with a scar for some reason. Didn't have to do with like the lore, because like a lot of these people that feature in this movie were from like a particular Mortal Kombat two, three. It was three and f- a bit of four. So yeah, like they're making it. Like I remember seeing the guy Sub Zero with the eye scar. Like I remember seeing him in the game that I played. So I was like, oh okay, I guess he's the little brother, and we don't need to explain anything after that because he won't appear ever again in this movie, which is essentially what happens to everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, I'm I'm not fully versed on Mortal Kombat 
law because I fucking gave up on this game series after the second game and then didn't jump back in until they did kind of like the later ones when they started bringing in the DC universe and then they started having like Freddy Krueger as a fucking DLC character and stuff which is just dumb as all hell but also kind of fun I guess everything in this movie looks plastic by the way like there's so much plastic in this movie yep. it's insane all the costumes just look super plasticky I yeah i agree because there was like the robots and i was like i was like no they're supposed to be metal right because like they like the armor straight up looks like if you like tap on it it's like that plastically sound yeah there's so many robots in this film as well why is everybody in this movie a robot because like that's the whole Mortal Kombat thing where like to get more characters you just reskin them in a different color <laughs> yeah true it's like the whole reptile was just a reskinned version of Scorpion and Sub-Zero right um, Sonya Blade's hamster ball like takes her to Hawaii which is nice you know like if, okay so if you guys had one of these hamster balls where are you going in it given that you can travel to anywhere on the planet apparently I'd go to Japan you would have to ask yourself who would you be comfortable with being that close with and also trust to like turn her hard right otherwise you'd fall into lava and die that's a good point i ain't trusting anybody i'm a control freak i don't want anybody trying to make those decisions for me i'm just gonna do that solo yeah that's fair see my logic was that i would also either go to orlando just because i frequent there a lot so having a tube would be convenient however the flight prices are cheaper to orlando than they are japan so also you're using a velosphere i don't think they charge Exactly. See? So Yeah. Yeah, this is a terrible business model that they've set up here. Could you imagine? Like that's how it that's how they start the movie for the scene. We're like, ticket please. Like there's like a charge that they pay. Luke Kang whips out his credit card, charges it. Or maybe Raiden's <gasps> like the one presto? that's nice enough to like pay for everybody. Yeah, Raiden's paying for the multiply economy, but Raiden's going like business class velospheres and well, what what's that? What's a business class velosphere? Like more legroom in that kind of hamster ball? Yeah, it's just it's just a slightly bigger hamster ball. They get complimentary wine. Yeah, mini fridge. The in flight choice of movies is slightly better like you get to watch Mortal Kombat 1 instead of Mortal Kombat 2 I don't know <laughs> I would go to New Zealand oh New Zealand nice yeah hell I mean like if you're gonna use one of these things you might as well go as far as you fucking can right like it wasn't that okay like the first half of this movie not even first half maybe just the first th- the first third I didn't mind it as much because at least they were trying with some of the fights like even if everything looked plasticky the fight with Scorpion and Sub-Zero like they tried to incorporate his move where he goes backwards and turns into like that frozen replica of him and then with the Sonya fight, they did the... It was really annoying in how, like, they kind of manufactured how it would happen. But at least they tried to do her kiss of death thing. Oh, my God. Yeah, so Sonya gets to Hawaii to find her partner, Jax, who has robot arms and is also a weird, handsy kind of creep with every woman that he comes across in this movie. But yeah, so yeah. Cyrax, who's like a robot thing, shows up and has a fight with them. And you're right, this kiss of death thing, it looks like she kind of blows sand at this guy. And he explodes for some reason because she kicked him into a pipe it's like question mark what the fuck is this meant to be i don't know yeah we were wondering about that too we're like is there something with the sand is that not regular sand is that like poison sand is that highly explosive sand i don't know combustible (laughs) sand it's fucking weird there's a point where like as i was just trying to see how they're gonna shoehorn the actual fatalities in their moves because like the the yellow cyber character like i think that was one of his moves when he like spit out this like thing that disintegrates you into like bone okay they incorporate it like i think they were trying really hard to like give the fan service but they just forgot about like the thing called like a plot and character for character motivations yeah unbelievable dialogue and you know all the rest but you know well fair play to them for at least playing up the we didn't we kind of skirted past this with believable dialogue but the you okay if you look on youtube Mortal Kombat analyst is infamous for this one line from sindel where katana sees her mother coming back to life and she's just like mother you're alive and then sindel was like too bad you will die and it's like (laughs) written as like people say it's the worst line ever but like i think it's the best thing of this movie Oh my god, I mean, yeah, this, we didn't really talk about her, but Sindel is like uh, Shao Kahn's um, henchwoman, I guess. She's played by a woman that looks like Aubrey Plaza. I mean, that would be, a do- I would like to see all the Parks and Rec cast do this movie, that would be a fun time. Hell yeah, we get Chris Pratt as Johnny Cage, and he can peace out of the movie five, uh, five minutes in as well, please. Yeah. Ron Swanson as Raiden, yes please. Like, I know you guys didn't enjoy this movie, I say as much as I did. <laughs> I mean, enjoy seems like a real stretch. <laughs> 
there's a point though there's two things i do kind of when like my i'm losing interest or like like i can play my own little game when watching kind of these bad movies like there's one for this movie where like it became a point where like as it kept going i was like well that's illogical and it kind of get fun like trying to point that out because again there's so many scenes in this movie where like what that makes no entire sense at all like i'm sure you had that as well like when luke kang goes and loses katana he like goes to meet up with nightwolf and what made me laugh so freaking much was that he has to fight this person named nightwolf and then it's nighttime a wolf suddenly attacks him and then he goes who are you i was like okay First off, <laughs> it's like you. This is this is why you're hard to root for because like you ask like the most basic things that even the audience will get. You're just like super lost, and so that's kind of how I started watching this movie. Just like pointing out the plot holes because like immediately after that, it talks about like these are the three things because thematically this movie is all about finding his like going through three steps, and it, it made no sense to me. Like first he yeah. has to do a test of courage, which is going through like a dream state. And then the second was being able to pass, like, someone being really heavily seductive. Like, super confusing movie. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, this movie is probably built for doing a really good drinking game. I think you're right. I think that if you, like, picked apart all of the moments that just you're kind of slapping your forehead in disbelief, you could probably have a pretty solid drinking game out of this one. Yeah, because then you could ask, like, all right, I guess Liu Kang is also a dick because he doesn't even ask where Nightwolf went. He just kind of, like, brushes, like, this person that's going to help him is the key to him saving the world. It's like, oh, this woman shows up first off this is my only rant is that the woman and how they portray asian women in this is like yeah. this the worst oh is this the jade character yeah the yeah, test of time jade, yeah. she literally shows up takes off her robe and i'm like <laughs> all right yeah. this is a, this is the trash moment of the movie yeah and also the native american representation from night yes. is also oh, guy, not yeah. great in this movie but i think it actually is played with someone that like is Native American. Yeah. So sure. at least it doesn't do the whole thing where oh, they like he? have freaking Johnny Depp. Oh, so oh, God, yeah, at least okay. it's not that. <laughs> but then did you guys like when you cause like how'd you get bide your time watching this movie? Because it looks like you kind of pieced out or hated it. Cause what <laughs> I tended to do was like there's that that centaur guy and like the girl with all the arms. Mm. So in my head I try to be like, there's some sexual tension between these two people. <laughs> so like you're like literally felt- <laughs> just rewriting this movie on the fly. It's great. We were we were talking about that too. We yeah, were there like, was sexual did- tension, right? <laughs> yes, we were like, he has as many has as many legs as she has arms, almost, or like they just we were we were discussing how he wears pants or how she wears coats. Oh yes. <laughs> I don't know. I was kind of just distracted by the fact that this centaur guy kind of looks a bit like the actor Paul Gleason, who was the the principal character in The Breakfast Club, and he's in like mm. Die Hard and Trading Places. I was like, is it, did they cast Paul Gleason as a centaur? But no, it's not. I get what you're saying, Roddy, about like how you kind of have to make your own fun with this movie because it's so like oh yeah insipid on like every level that you've got to get something out of watching it, right? I think my problem with it is that I guess you could say my favorite genre of movie is mindless action. Mm, So of all the movies to be just dumb fun, this was not it. And, you know, I've defended the Fast and Furious franchises. I I love mm-hmm. the the kaiju movies. I just like exploding action nonsense. So when Mortal Kombat has progressively worse fight scenes, yeah, it does. When they throw away all of their you know characters, all of their moves, nobody really gets to stand out at any point. It's really disappointing and it's really disheartening because I wanted to cheer it on so bad, but every time I gave it an inch, it took a mile. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of the problem here is this movie just isn't any fun. There's no fun in this movie. Like the first movie has such a a simple structure. There's a tournament. Y'all got to fight in the tournament. There's some wacky villains you're going to have to fight. And then you're going to save the world at the end of it. And, you know, Mm -hmm. on the the fly, you'll reconcile with your dead brother and all of this kind of shit. But it's straightforward and it's fun and it moves at a good pace. It has escalation. It has stakes. This movie just has none of that. And despite the fact that the world is like under threat in this film, it just 
feels like everybody's just kind of dragging their heels. I mean, I guess like the stakes is hard to buy when you sh- when they show the worlds emerging, and it looks like the most fakest, superimposed like <laughs> yeah. Paris. Like there's a scene where like we have taken over the world now, and it shows Paris with all his army, and all I could think like, why is it so purple? Like, yeah. why, why was this the color choice? You have the Eiffel Tower. Congrats. Yeah, mm-hmm. great. I mean, Vegas has got one of those too. Relax. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Laura mentioned one of the things that I felt like it was trying to do, but failed gloriously in <laughs> execution, was like what Fast and Furious does really well, and to the point where like they make fun of it, is a whole notion like this is my family. Don't you dare mess with my family. Oh, and God, this movie family. tries to do that too. We're like, you guys gotta work together. Only when you work together will you be able to defeat Shao Kahn. And like that thread is like nothing in this movie. Oh, yeah. Okay. Was any is it canon that Raiden and Shao Kahn are brothers? Like, is that no actually idea. in the game reverse? No I, idea. That completely caught me off guard because I was uh, I looked away and then I heard Shao Kahn is my brother, and I was just no, no. Did they do th- why? <laughs> Wait, that caught you off guard. What caught me yeah. off guard more than that? Is when Raiden showed up with a haircut. Yes. <laughs> yes, that was I yes. literally wrote in my notes that the most intriguing part of this movie is that somehow <laughs> yeah. Raiden has yeah. stopped along his journey to save the world to get a fucking haircut. Amazing. He got a makeover. He was like, I changed my outfit. And yeah. it's like Showing off for my you. Arms. <laughs> Did you lose the wig? Like, what happened? Do you <laughs> think <laughs> James Remar just said, I'm not wearing this fucking itchy ass wig any longer? <laughs> Just fucking the, bleach my hair and let me have at it. The wardrobe trailer burned to the ground or something? I don't know. With his new introduction, what floored me was, okay, in the beginning of this movie, I was like, okay, guys, chill with the lightning. Because it just kept on doing lightning, lightning, no, lightning. No, that's and then, No, but, okay. But then when they show Raiden come back... I guess it's because he has... No, no, they did Thunder, so that doesn't explain it. He literally... I had to, like... I, I literally stopped the movie and freeze-framed it because his introduction was so odd. It's like yeah. he just pops in <laughs> with no special effect. So, like, if you freeze-frame it, it's so funny because you get to see, like, this tiny little ball of him that just pops up and becomes his full form. And I was like, this is hilarious. Yeah, the, this whole rain thing. Like, this reveal that he's Shao Kahn's brother is like, you didn't want to mention that earlier on in the movie, guy. It's kind of an asshole move. It's all about family. They were saving it. Yeah. <laughs> also, I'm I'm kind of upset that not once did he have his pointy hat. Exactly, Christopher Lambert wears the fucking hat in the first movie, right? He doesn't have the hat at all in this one. It's always it's always been the hat that is Raiden. He uses that as a fucking like throwy saw thing in so many of his fatalities. And I mean, they totally stole that character design from Big Trouble in Little China, but that's a, that's another. Um, and also, Raiden dies not long after this as well. Yeah, like, what? he gets Why? wiped out, and it's just like a massive collective shrug from everybody. Nobody fucking cares that he's gone. Everybody just gets on with their business. Fun fact: his uh, his stunt guy was Ray Park. Oh man, fucking Darth Maul himself. What happened to that guy? I haven't seen him in a while. I mean, I guess our uh, spoilers for Solo. I guess I guess he rocks up at the end of Solo as Darth Maul again. But um... yeah, he's. It looks like he's done more acting since then than stunt stuff. Oh really? Because he was in that first X Men movie playing Toad as well and then i guess he was in like a couple of kind of action oh wait is he in a, is he in ballistic x versus sever i kind of think he might be so are you saying that ray park did all the somersaults because i guess that makes sense probably that was his job on the credits somersaults by ray park what kind of like it annoyed me about this film <laughs> it's funny i say how much i enjoyed this but how many times were annoyed that's coming around my mouth it was probably more but okay the fact that they managed to go to like they actually went to jordan and Mm-hmm. I felt like the disrespect for them to scream and destroy it. I was like, "How? Yeah. I'm annoyed at this." Yeah, I mean, I don't think they accident. I don't think they actually destroyed a mesa, but it is pretty <laughs> uh, hard to watch. Yeah, and there, there's a shot of the World Trade Center as well appearing in Outworld that I was kind of like, "Oh, did yeah. Shao Kahn do 9/11? I don't know." Yeah, the, I mean, the location budget for this movie must have been pretty high because they were filming in such yeah. glorious places as Jordan and Thailand and uh, Wales, you know, but whatever. Wales. Wait, where was Wales? I'm not sure where. I think Wales is where Sonya has the, the mud pit fight, I think. Oh my um. gosh. <laughs> when that was happening, I was just like, is this, I, I was like, is, is, this, is this what we're doing? Oh, this is what we're doing. All right. 
<laughs> yeah, that whole scene is dumb as all hell. And then Jack's being like, you look good in mud. And then later on, he gets like, when he meets Jade, he's all like putting his arm around her and stuff. I'm like, ew, please don't. His emotional thread, did you like his whole thing that was shoehorn? We're like... It's not the arms. It's like his his like bio enhanced <sighs> arms are not what make the man. Something like that. Yeah. I was like, oh, all right, last. I guess that's his arm. It really is his arms that make the man. Because anybody yeah. that ever plays Jax in the game is picking him because he got them big ass robot arms, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because somebody was like, you should use your regular arms or you should use your regular power. And it's no, like, why? No, dude, <laughs> you have robot arms for fuck's sake. Okay. He engineered his own robot arms, but presumably. The, Give him some credit. The <laughs> twist, though, the, the his whole, whole arc is that when he actually takes off his arms I was like they look like they were just like pasted on you would think yeah. something that's so high tech would be so much more ingrained into the musculature of his body but he puts it like yeah. it's one of those like arm sleeve tattoos those fake ones yeah. that yeah. he puts on and I was like this is ridiculous the the guy playing I mean look none of the acting in this movie is going to win anybody an academy award but the guy playing Jax was especially bad I thought Yeah. and then I looked him up and this dude was on like American Gladiators for four years playing Saber <laughs> kind of like, that's his biggest acting credit is he was a gladiator oof maybe I missed it but I wish they did more with Baraka because I always thought that that was oh god yeah yeah one of my favorite characters from the games Baraka he shows up and I was like finally like something cool is happening in this film um but for those that don't know Baraka is like a kind of he looks like um the silence from Doctor Who or the gentleman from Buffy the Vampire Slayer Mm. and he has like blades on attached to his arms and he does that fucking awesome move in the game where he like chops a dude up with the blades it's awesome he does nothing in this movie he shows up has like a little scuffle with Liu Kang and then gets tossed in some fire and that is it yeah they kind of give up towards the end with all of the fights because like Baraka like how many people have died by just throwing them off into the fire pit because like that's, that's the true. most unexciting way to for a game that's known for its fatalities sure that's the yeah. most unexciting fatality they can't even do the thing that you used to be able to do where somebody uppercuts somebody and they like fucking go off the level and fall into like a pit of acid or oh, a bed yeah. of spikes they don't even bother doing any of that shit in this film no I think that they don't use their environments very well they don't use their characters very well they don't use the storyline very well no it's just it kind of reminds me of how i felt when watching x-men the last stand (laughs) three because like because it has a similar thing where characters just kind of show up just to serve the plot and the same thing like shiva or whatever the girl with the arm shows up Mm -hmm. and like literally she just says a witty pun not even witty just a line of dialogue let's just call it what it is and then just like (laughs) she gets crushed by the cage and i was like that's how she's gonna go this girl that has these (laughs) muscular arms that look like she could lift so many things will die because of a cage that she probably could have lifted money python style is x-men free an episode that might be an episode oh my god i mean i don't really want to fucking talk about brett ratner the thing about that movie that really got me is the uh is the juggernaut joke oh i'm the juggernaut bitch yeah i'm i'm the juggernaut bitch and i turned to my boyfriend at the time and i was like and i was like that meme is like less than six months old and he was like they only finished the movie like really really oh yeah i mean i was like what that one had that i mean that one had a pretty checkered production history as well but uh, oh yeah but like i say i don't know if i can stomach talking about brett ratner but i guess we might do rush hour two at some point as well so <sighs> this movie is not violent enough right like it's not gory enough we need something on the level of like temple of doom gore in this i mean i don't even think that i think just go full hard hour with this so the first movie was pg-13 and people were kind of like oh i don't want a mortal combat that's pg-13 and you know what it worked out fine because it was a fairly straightforward fantasy adventure movie you could kind of forgive it for not having like spurts of gore go- uh, spurts of gore going all over the place this one doesn't have any of that charm so it needs something else as its hook to have like uh, this be a bloodbath would have probably made the fights a little more fucking but to your argument though wasn't the newest mortal Kombat a hard r and people just also hated that to be fair the reasons why people hated it the fact that it has no actual mortal Kombat is a big one i mean yeah okay okay i was gonna get to this like in a moment but yeah you now that you bring it up that uh that mm-hmm. mortal Kombat reboot that came out this year i think you're saying people didn't like it people liked it like that thing audiences seem to 
lap that movie up. Shit, really? I remember just seeing a friend going like, why is there no Mortal Kombat in this? I mean, that, that, that friend may have been me, dude, because that was my major complaint about that fucking movie was, it's the whole fucking Simpsons, when do we get to the fireworks factory thing? And they never yeah. get to the fireworks factory because <laughs> they spend the whole movie talking about how important it is that all these people are going to go fight in Mortal Kombat. And then they never fucking get to the tournament in the movie. The movie ends before they even get to Outworld. It's fucking ridiculous. But that said, the fights are pretty competently staged and they do not skimp on the violence in that movie. You have a lot of these kind of finishing moves. There's people getting sawed in half. There's all kinds of crazy shit going on in that film. So yeah, structurally that film kind of sucks, but it, it feels more like a Mortal Kombat movie than this does. What year did the Spawn movie come out? Exactly the same year as this one. Funny you should mention that because those really? effects are pretty much on the level with each other. Yeah, because Spawn was another one that A, should have been more violent in keeping with the brand and B didn't really have the right effects to pull it I off. I mean, that Spawn movie looks like utter fucking ass nowadays. I mean, also a New Line Cinema movie, um, so probably the same effects house that did the Mortal Kombat effects as well. Mm. Uh, anyway, the movie fucking climaxes with Liu Kang and Shao Kahn turning into a couple of CGI dragons, which, you know, again, Spawn effects. Yep. I mean, they just ran out of money, right? They must have <laughs> run out of money at this point. Um, because they're, they're only these, like, CGI dragons for 30 seconds, and they have, like, a quick tumble, and then they have to turn back into, like, their regular form. And I get it. It's Mortal Kombat, right? So you got to be mortal to do it. But um, they just clearly fucking ran out of money or just stopped giving a fuck about it a long time ago. Well, you're talking about the fight scene, but they spent so much effort to be like, ah, oh, yes, let's pair them up with each one. Like, it wasn't even, like, the whole notion of it being, like a team to fight as a team and as a family but then it, how it ends is each one of them individually fighting one person exactly and yep. it ends with Liu Kang just basically backflip kicking Shao Kahn and winning for you know in a move that would maybe knock out a few teeth but it doesn't feel like a very definitive way to defeat your fucking enemy to just like kick him over on a, on a staircase it was a backward somersault so it was very fitting it was but it didn't feel like Shao Kahn died or anything as a result of it you know um, and that basically kills the baddie wins the game ends the movie except the order is restored all of these landmarks end up going back to where they belong Raiden magically comes back to life um, and ascends to take his place in Mortal Kombat heaven or fucking whatever I don't know I'd so tapped out by this point I couldn't have cared any less about anything that was happening and that's kind of the end of the movie um, apart from the fact that I noticed on the credits that this movie is dedicated to Nicholas oh I'm so sorry Nicholas yeah who the fuck is Nicholas don't know who Nicholas is but I hope he haunts the people behind this film every day <laughs> for adding his name to this fucking trash. We said that too. We're like, poor Nicholas. <laughs> you do not want this to be your fucking legacy. Uh, and that's Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Guys, would you recommend this particular motion picture to anyone? If you create your own set of drinking rules, it'll be a blast. <laughs> <laughs> no. I would not. <laughs> that was such a hard no. You're like, you start off like playful, like, oh, maybe she will recommend it. Then no, it was just a no. No. <laughs> Fuck no. No, 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 no. It, it's just so like, uh, it's one of those super boring sequels that it's like, just watch the Yeah, movie. I mean, I'll, I'll echo that. The Look, I've said it a few times when we've done movies, but I genuinely think this is the worst movie we've done on the show. In terms of just like being an inept production, at least. And I know I like, I hated Mamma Mia, but at least... Yeah. <laughs> a little bit of thought went into it beforehand, right? Yeah. Um, I hated Twilight, but at least I understood what it was trying to do. This is just an absolute waste of everyone's time. I couldn't stand this film. Um, and I don't understand the drop-off in quality between the first film and the second film. It's such a sharp plummet for a movie that came out literally two years later and, and retained at least some of the same people behind the scenes. But I I think Paul W.S. Anderson has gone on record and said he he regrets not doing this movie because he dislikes it so much that he felt like it tarnished the legacy of the original a little bit. Uh, the movie Paul Anderson made instead of this though was Event Horizon, which for all its problems oh. is a way better movie, you know? <laughs> I mean, Event Horizon ain't movie. perfect. It's got a lot of issues, but at least it's fucking watchable. Yep. So yeah, no, fuck this film. That was our episode on Mortal Kombat Annihilation from the year 1997 directed by John R. Leonetti next week on the show you've heard of Kerry White haven't you 73 people died night of the prom 
Next semester. Rachel! Terror. Dude, it's her! It's her doing it! Runs no! in the family. The rage carry two. I'm enthralled. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> Until then, we have been Bad With Numbers from Toronto, Canada. You can find us on Twitter at Bad Numbers Pod. We're on Insta at BWM Pod. Email the show at BWMPod at gmail.com. Take it easy. Stay safe out there. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.